need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes, Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. Welcome into another episode, Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, your favorite podcast platform. Just search for Yards and Stripes, and you will find us because we are your home for Service Academy Football, all things Army, Navy, and Air Force. I am Price Atkinson, and he is Bill Rowland, and we have a loaded show for you today. This podcast is packed with recaps from last week, and certainly looking ahead to this conversation. Coming weekend, Bill, I can't remember the last time we had all three of our teams in action coming up in a single weekend against ranked opponents, but that will be the case this coming weekend. But as we hit the halfway point of the season, now turning for home, season's starting to take shape. We're kind of seeing what's on the line, where teams stand, what teams are made of, and it's going to be a fight to the finish, especially in Air Force's case now, fighting for what they're in the mix for a Mountain West Conference Championship. No question about it. We're going to talk all about it, but how was your weekend? I'm sure it was a busy one in, in the world of college athletics and college football. Yeah, no, it was a good weekend, and uh, we had a couple of, uh, of interesting games over the weekend for Service Academy folks. You know, obviously uh, Air Force, as we'll get to, uh, a, a nice win, and and Army didn't embarrass themselves. They, they, you know, showed out pretty well going up there to Wisconsin. The Navy's game. I think kind of went the way we all thought it would go on that short week, just a tough time for them. But, uh, yeah, all in all, the landscape of, uh, of college football, we're getting down to those games that are going to mean so much now because they always tell you if you're a top-ranked team, lose that game early rather than losing it late because then you've got a chance to rebuild your resume. So teams that are getting knocked off, you know, we saw Purdue pull off the big upset and that, that type of thing. Uh, those teams are now going to be forced to find a way back to the top. And, uh, you know, I said it last week, Air Force has a great opportunity. I think they're going to break into the top 25 here uh, very soon, if not by next week. Um, so it's exciting for them. You know, Army's got an opportunity. Navy's got an opportunity. There, there's a lot of good stuff coming up this week. Yeah, there is. We're going to get into it here in just a few minutes. Also, to remind you, we'll give our proverbial game balls that Bill and I do every week. And then we will wrap up the podcast with the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll, where we honor a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. Appreciate the Travis Mannion Foundation for partnering with us again this season. TravisMannion.org, where you can find out a lot more information about TMF, things that are do, their uh, work doing in local communities across the country, um, ways that you can get involved uh, as they are very active from start to finish every year, uh, building character and future generations in local communities across the country. So we will wrap up the podcast with the TMF honor roll coming up. But Bill, let's get to some games and recap last week. And Last Thursday night, it feels like eons ago, Memphis 35, Navy 17. Navy now 1-5 on the season, 1-3 in the American Athletic Conference. They were headed to Beale Street in the Liberty Bowl, and Memphis, who has never lost on a Thursday night, they kept that streak perfect, now 9-0. and 
as Navy just could not get off the field. I think the game was really a story of big plays by Memphis. That's nothing new for that offense, but it was big plays that did Navy in as the Tigers scored, I think, what, five of their first six drives, and they just could not keep pace with a high-octane Memphis team that ended a three-game losing streak. And, and that's what we've talked about with this Navy team this year, Prices. I mean, you go back um, even the week before, and we had said, look, they got a chance to stay with SMU, but they can't let SMU you get to 30 because Navy's just not able right now to, to score those type of points. Well, it's the same thing with Memphis. A, as you said, they couldn't stop them. And B, even if they weren't going to be able to stop them, they couldn't keep pace. They weren't going to be able to keep up and, and score with Memphis over and over and over again. And that's kind of what's done Navy in and all these losses now that it's with three of the last four weeks that they've kind of been in games. You go back to the Houston game, they just couldn't keep pace with Houston. We're able to do it against Central Florida, but then couldn't do it the following week against SMU, couldn't do it against Memphis. They've played better, but we saw this when we talked about it last week. We just, you know, said this is going to be a tough one because it's a short week, and they got beat up in that SMU game, and they they just didn't have enough in them to stick with Memphis on Thursday night. Yeah, they didn't, and, you know, uh, Memphis takes that opening kickoff and and goes down the field, scores on a short pass, and the Navy responding with their longest drive – Boy, since 2004 in the Emerald Bowl, which was a 26-play drive back in 04, this is a 21-play, 75-yard drive, 11.50 off the clock. My goodness. James Harris, the second two-yard touchdown run. And then Memphis comes right back with a you know big play. Here we go. Calvin Austin, a, a reverse where he just simply used out-athleted the Navy defense, 69 yards. And, you know, the Navy gets the ball back in the second quarter and has two two scores nullify, and they have to settle for a Bijan Nichols field goal due to some penalties. Um, you can't settle for threes when you're going score for score in a game like that. And right there, when you, you kind of get off off course, so to speak, when you're trying to go basically touchdown for touchdown. I mean, Bill, Navy had the ball 40 minutes in the game and didn't turn it over. I mean, they had it almost 40 minutes. It did not turn the ball over, and still you lose by 18 points. You would think 40 minutes, didn't turn it over, what, 200 yards rushing. You would think you need probably about another 100 more yards, but um, it's just the recipe was not there. You just cannot – you have got to hold serve every time in a game that was shaping up where it was offense, offense, offense every single time you had the ball. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned the the first drive. To me, that was kind of the thing where you looked at it and you said, okay – They've got a shot to stay in this because if you can sustain – look, you're not going to hold the ball for 11 minutes every single time you touch it. But if you can hold it for five, six, seven, and keep them off the field – then you've got a chance to maybe steal one late. But the problem was they go down, they score, and then one or two plays later, Memphis is right back in the end zone. That's a lot of pressure on your offense to then go back out and go down the field and score again when you know that Memphis can do three, four-play drives and score in a minute and a half. It's kind of what happened to them. Every time Memphis got the ball back, they were on their way down to scoring. And not only does it does it deflate your defense – but also, your offense is staying there in the sideline going, guys, what what do we have to do? Because we held the ball for as long as possible, and you let them go right down the field again. And I'm sure there wasn't finger pointing on the sideline, but the offensive guys had to feel like, I don't know that we can keep this up for four quarters. Yeah, I agree. And... 
Lavatai is the guy going forward, and it's it's nothing. I'm not going to put anything on him again because you didn't turn the ball over. He did the job, but it's it just Navy just does not have the playmakers that they've had in the past. And you know, offensive line I, I think is 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 partly an issue, Bill, because I mean, at the end of the day, you got to block and you got to open the hole. I just simply, I mean, I've said it since the beginning of the year, Bill. I just don't think there's the guys, you know, like the Reggie Campbells, the Shun Whites, some of the ones that have been there, the, the B-backs, the Kyle Eccles, the Bryce McDonald's, and you know, the many different weapons Navy's had, whether if it's not a quarterback, you know, with like a Ricky Dobbs or Keenan Reynolds, you've had some of the guys at the skill positions, the speed, the B-back. They just don't seem to have that kind of player on the roster that I see. Um, you haven't been able to bait, break big plays. I mean, they, they ran for two, th- 200 yards, but I mean, they averaged three yards a rush, exactly th- three yards a rush. I mean, that's un- that's not common for Navy football running the football when you have some of the big home run hitters that they've had in the past, and they just don't have that right now. When some guys have gotten free, they haven't been able to take it to the house. I think that's one of the biggest things missing. I think the Navy defense isn't necessarily playing bad, but you got to have an offense is you know and the offense did it with that drive you know 21 plays 11:50 off the clock but you can't just have it one time in a game you got to continue to have it with that offense playing keep away in finishing drives even some big plays here and there to give your defense and your whole entire football team that shot in the arm you know from say a, you know when you break a run you know from the 40 and go 60 yards to the house or maybe a swing pass that a guy gets free down the sideline you just need those energy inducing plays and you'll have to go back and look for next week's show but look at maybe how many of the those big runs navy's had this year say maybe 25 or more i don't think it's very many and i think if you look at years past it would be much lower than the past 10 years i think i'll safely say oh i don't think there's any question about it you mentioned the offensive line i think that's an issue for them because again as we've talked about you're not going to have 290 300 320 pound linemen going to Navy, going to Army, going to Air Force. You don't get those guys, at least not on a regular occasion. So you have to out-scheme guys. You have to out-speed uh, them to the outside. You have to do that to your opponents. And I think you're right. I don't think they have the guys that can turn the corner and break away 30, 35-yard runs on the regular. They should be – the way Navy runs their offense, those types of plays, you should be all. You should be getting those two or three times a game if things are working well for you. And, and they're not – as you mentioned, just three yards of rush against Memphis. That's great if you can control the clock every single time you touch the ball. It's terrible if you're going five plays and you're out, six plays and you're out and having to punt it back because they're not going to be able to keep up with them because, as we know, they're not throwing the ball either. Yeah. Navy falls to one in five again, one in three in the American, and it's not going to get a bit easier this weekend when number two Cincinnati comes to town, which we will talk about here in just a little bit. Bill, let's pivot to our next game from last weekend, Wisconsin and Army. Army with a chance to knock off another one of the big dogs going to Madison. But Whiskey survives Army 20 to 14. Army dropped into four and two. Whiskey now getting even Steven at three and three on the season. I think really a, a game of two halves, Bill. 
because, you know, at the half, Wisconsin was up 13-0. They led in total yards 230-48. Army did not go quietly into that Madison night. They fought back. They got it to 13-7. to um, And Jabari Lewis drilled when he went back to pass. Uh, that fumble recovered by Wisconsin's Keanu Benton with 255 to go. It was only their fourth takeaway of the season, but Graham Mertz keeps it, the quarterback for Wisconsin, one-yard keeper, and that was pretty much the difference as that made it, uh, what, 20-7 to late in the game. Um, you know, Army had really played flawlessly in terms of not turning it over, but Lewis just gets utterly destroyed. Ball comes out. That was the game. Yeah, watching the first half of that game, it was kind of going the way I thought it was and we talked about it when we said look Wisconsin kind of does the same thing Army does just in a different way they're not running the triple option but they want to run the ball and they're bigger stronger than Army is because of just the way the power five schools are and they were Mm -hmm. you know they were up 13 to nothing and they were doing exactly what they wanted to do it looked like it was going to be kind of one of those you know 27 to 10 type of games and then Army stiffened up in the second half and really Wisconsin didn't do much of anything until they got that big sack and a one-yard touchdown drive. I mean, you look at it, the Army defense basically shut them out. I'm not putting that last touchdown on them. It was a one-yard quarterback sneak. The problem was Army couldn't take advantage on the offensive side of the ball to be able to get a touchdown, say, in the third quarter, to get a field goal at the end of the third quarter, whatever it was, to really make Wisconsin nervous about things. Yes, they got to 13-7, and but they were backed up deep in their own territory. And then we get the big turnover that makes it 20-7. to Army gets a late touchdown, almost got the onside kickback, which would have been interesting. But again, they they covered the spread. They did not embarrass themselves at all. And and we've heard them talk about it, that these guys come out and they just play hard every single week. And, and, And you have to be happy, not with the result, but with the effort. Yeah, let's let's hear from Coach Jeff Munkin on his team. They weren't intimidated at all. They expected to win. I think our guys showed that they'll go toe to toe with anybody. And there's not they're not intimidated by anybody. I can assure you that. But you know what? The United States Army's not intimidated by anybody either. That's a bunch of future soldiers and they're gonna lead future soldiers and they won't back down from anybody on the battlefield either. You can be sure of that. Yeah, and they didn't back down, and they haven't backed down when they've had these opportunities, Bill. You know, they've gone Oklahoma, uh, Michigan. I mean, so many of these teams over the years, that they have stood toe-to-toe and not blinked. You know, and let's hear from Jeff Munkin again. He believed his team could win this football game. Our, our team expected to win. The only people that are shocked are the guys in our locker room, shocked that they didn't win. Our guys expect to win the game. That's just the way they roll. I mean, it. They have a, a, a great trust in each other and a love for each other. They're, they're committed, and, and they believe that when we play a football game that they're going to win. And, and I believe that, too. I fully believe we were going to win. And that's just the mindset that the Army plays with now, Bill. And it's not just coach speak at all from Jeff Munkin right there. I mean, that's that's the way this team believes. That's what they've changed there at West Point. 
they believe they can go into these games and beat anybody. Um, and they almost have beaten, you know, anybody when they've had these opportunities. I know, you know, close is counts in horseshoes only, but I mean, they have, they have gone in and turned heads time and time again. And, you know, when you were down 13 0 and unable to move the ball and, you know, Wisconsin's rolling up 230 on you at the half, you know, that's a chance where you can kind of play, roll over and play dead so to speak and you know i don't make light of that statement at all because this is army and this is service academy football but you know the the expression speaks for itself because so many times when you get down you see the character of your football team and that's the character that these guys have now and that jeff monk and his coaches and him himself has they do not quit they believe they can win any any football game yeah and they should and 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 looking at that Again, it would have, nobody would have thought anything about Army worse if if Wisconsin had won that game. Again, a 24-10, to 27-10, whatever it was, because everybody would have looked at it and said, well, Army went in there, held their own, but ultimately it's a Power 5 school. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. That's why they were 14-point favorites going into that game in Wisconsin. But Army does a good job. Again, the adjustments at halftime, the ability to slow down Wisconsin in the second half, it's just... When you go up against that type of defense, again, guys that are bigger, faster, stronger, even though you're running a scheme that they're not used to, it's hard. It's hard to move the ball when you're just outgunned uh, almost at every position on the field. So I give them a ton of credit for even being in that game in the fourth quarter where a, a sack fumble at their goal line is what ultimately cost them the game. They were in that game for 55 minutes, and, and that's all you can ask uh, is for a shot at the end to pull off an upset. It just didn't go their way. And Jeff Munkin said afterwards, you know, while praising Wisconsin, his team is disappointed not getting the win. You know, we're, we're disappointed and, and we're hurt. When you when you care and you invest so much, it's going to hurt. Um, but I'm really proud of these guys. They went toe-to-toe with uh, a team that I think is, is really an outstanding team. Uh, well-coached big physical and uh and one of the most successful programs in the country over the last decade or more so um you know there's some good things we can take from it but certainly we're going to see some things we're really really disappointed in all right munkin disappointed his team and his team disappointed they didn't pull it off bill 20 to 14 wisconsin gets the win army now four and two overall this season but certainly nothing to hang your hat about everything's still in front of you especially the commander-in-chief trophy and that showdown with air force and then later the naval academy coming up all right our last game from last weekend bill uh out west in the mountain west air force going to the smurf turf in boise state and the Falcons, 24 to 17, a winner. A little bit maybe like the uh, that the Army game, you know, tail of two halves, so to speak. The, but the Air Force defense, you know, it played pretty much toe to toe in the first half, but only giving up three points uh, there in the second half. Air Force, 24 to 17, now six and one, three and one in the Mountain West, sitting atop the Mountain West uh, division. Uh, Colorado State right there at two and zero, but they have a lot more games to play but the best start for air force since 2002 when they began six and zero, they would go on to finish eight and five that year but boy right now the mountain west the the mountain division of the mountain west it is air forces to lose at this point after going to boise and snapping a four-game losing streak bill yeah really
really great win for them. They held uh, Boise to just, what, three points in the second half. Uh, so, again, that defense, we, we talk about their amazing offense and how they're, you know, the number one rushing team in the country. But that defense has been on point the last few weeks. When they've needed to get stops, when they've needed to get turnovers, they've come up with the big play, and they did it again Saturday night. Uh, you know, we and we called it. We said last week that the, the line – was four, I think four and a half in favor of Boise State, but they Boise State wasn't impressive to either one of us as far as their wins go and the teams that they had struggled against. So we had said that Air Force had a great opportunity to go in there and get a win, and they did just that again, riding on the back of Brad Roberts, who has been phenomenal for them this year. Um, it's interesting that that kid just keeps grinding it out. Doesn't matter if he gets 20, 25, 30 carries a game, he's always ready. Right back in that huddle. Give me the ball again. I'm ready to go. And you got to love a guy like that. Yeah, big win after the game. I know a lot of the Air Force players stuck around, take a uh, some selfies there on, on the Smurf turf. Uh, take it in because it had been a while uh, since that – you know, Air Force had, had gotten that kind of win over Boise State, who has, in a lot of ways, been the standard, Bill, right, of the Mountain West yeah. division. And, you know, the group of five, uh, for that matter, over these, you know, better part of a decade. You know, Brian Harson obviously off to Auburn this past offseason. Um, you know, things are changing. Boise State hadn't lost three games uh, at home in a season since 98. They hadn't lost three in a row at home since 97. Um, but the Air Force defense, you know, continues to do the job. Um, you know, offensively, again, one of the top rushing teams in the country. They ran for 306 in the game. Brad Roberts leading the way, as you mentioned, 28 carries, 138, two touchdowns, and Hazik Daniels, 21 for 83 and a touchdown. It's a, it's a it's a football team, Bill, that complete sometimes is used too often, but this is a, maybe a one of the more well-rounded uh, teams that I've seen. And this is I – mean, I'm not going to go c- comparing them with Army and Navy. Um, you know, Army's schedule leaves somewhat a little bit to be desired, um, but especially in the Mountain West when you're playing some of these offenses, Bill, like you're going to – like you see every week and teams that can move the football and do it in huge chunks. What Air Force is doing right now on defense is, is pretty darn impressive because when you take that competition in the way that they're producing or not allowing the offenses to produce, I think this is really a very well-rounded, complete football team that Troy Calhoun has on his hands, Bill. Um, let's hear from what he Troy, Coach Calhoun had to say about the win, and he just continue raises the bar and we've got to play even better than we did here at Boise. we got to play better. You know, you look uh, on their field goal drive at the end, we got to get lined up sooner uh, just so you have a legit pass rush or times you really kind of felt like we only had two guys rushing that were lined up. Those are things that we can get fixed. We can tackle a little bit better in the open field. Um, we were fortunate maybe a little bit where there's some penalties, yep. um, you know, that put them in some, uh, you know, certainly not in advantageous situations from their perspective. But those are, those are things that are fixable. We got a group that likes to work, and we're going to go back at it on Monday. And Air Force a 21 to 14 lead at the half, only giving up a, a field goal in the third in the fourth quarter. Only three points they allowed. Only points at all they allowed there in the second half. Bill, here's Troy Calhoun on what his defense did to Boise State in that second half. About the last two and a half quarters, you know that was the case with only three points and uh, j- just our you know our, our guts and our perseverance. I mean that's what we leaned on heavily tonight, and uh, just truly a back and forth football game. And I think we all had a good hunch. It might be that way too. 
All right, Bill, is Air Force now is setting the table in San Diego State this weekend, the number 22 Aztecs undefeated. Um, but everything is right in front of, of Air Force at this point. Um, they've got everything left in their control, so to speak. They get the game against the Aztecs at home this weekend. Um, you know, after that, the schedule is incredibly favorable, Bill. They've never made an appearance in the Mountain West. I don't want to get too far ahead of anything, but... You know, we thought that Air Force could have a very good first half of the season. That's exactly what they've done is we're now in that second half. It's 6-1 and one overall, 3-1 and one in the Mountain West. And, and how close are they to being undefeated? I mean, yeah. I, I know we, we keep harping on it, but you go back, they had that game won against Utah State and let it slip away. They'd already be a top 25 team if they win that game. If they're undefeated at this point, they're in the top 25. So the defense is getting it done. They're, they're a top 10 rushing defense in the country. They're number one in rushing offense. That type of, uh, of situation is going to win you a lot of ball games because that means you're controlling the ball for a large chunk of time, and you're also uh, denying other teams from being able to do that to you. So the defense stays well-rested. The offense can move the ball up and down the field. They've, they've got a great combo going right now. All right, Trey Bug seals the deal in the game with an interception late. Let's take that as a segue, Bill, uh, to our game balls this week, and I will let you fire first with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Trey Bug, the Air Force uh, D-back. He, you know, great job of the defense holding Boise State to just three points in the second half, but it got a little tight there at the end. Boise State trying to, to make a last-second drive to get that game tied up. Bug jumps the route, gets the interception, uh, seals the deal for them, and he had a chance to get a couple other ones during this game as well and just missed them, had a couple of pass deflections, but he got the biggest play for that defense in what was a great second half uh, overall for the defense. But, yeah, Trey Bug is going to get my game ball this week. Eight tackles, five solo. Here's what Troy Calhoun said about the game or game-saving play, but the big interception by Trey uh, by Trey Bug late. Oh baby, he was pretty darn close, and he was able to get one at the end. You know, the great part was he was in really really tight coverage, and just the way he plucked the ball out of the air. I mean, he's seasoned, uh, he's savvy, he's he's a really really good work. Him, just a sharp, just just a tremendous football player. <laughs> All right, you went with Trey Bug. I'm going to keep it with the Falcons, Bill. I'm going to go with the, you know, I'll go offensive side of the ball, and I'm going to go with the entire, you know, I'm going to go with the entire offense for Air Force. The ground game is where I'll go. The Air Force ground game because Daniels is one of five throwing the ball. But, you know, you mentioned the nation's number one leading rushing Offense. They ran for 307, averaging right at five a carry, 63 for 307, three touchdowns. Brad Roberts again. I mean, death taxes and Brad Roberts <laughs> when it comes to college football, over 100 yards again. He does it 28 carries, 138, two touchdowns. He's a workhorse. He's the guy. He is a guy that he is exactly what Navy could use at that B back spot that they don't have. Um, you know, Air Force, I mean, Army's got it, but boy, Brad Roberts. Continually does it. Hazik Daniels again, 83 yards. Micah Davis, who's become a weapon. You know, he had six for 63 over, averaging over 10 a carry. Um, you know, they just have guys that keep rotating in and getting the job done in that offensive line, paving the way, you know, to keep that clock. And I, I just think outstanding job by uh, the Air Force offense. They held the ball for just shy of 37 minutes, a second shy of 37 minutes. So um, I'll go with the Air Force 
ground game, getting my game ball this week, Bill. All right, when we come back, let's go ahead and turn the page and look ahead to what's coming up, all three teams in action. Ranked opponents is the name of the game this week, Bill, as all three have ranked opponents that will be coming to their house. And we will do our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll segment as we honor a fallen hero and then wrap things up here on this episode of Yards and Stripes. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. Welcome back into Yards and Stripes, everyone. Bill Rowan along with Price Atkinson. It's now time to take a look at the schedule coming up this week, give you an idea of what's to come for all these teams. And as Price mentioned in our last segment, each of these teams going up against a ranked opponent. And we'll start things off Army taking on number 16, Wake Forest. And this should be a pretty good one, Price, because both these teams are going to want to try to run the ball. Wake Forest as a team averaging 170 yards a game on the ground, but they can do it through the air as well. They've got some weapons all over the field. Uh, A.T. Perry, seven touchdown receptions already on the season for him, averages 75 yards a game. To me, he's going to be the guy they got to keep an eye on, 6'5", 200-pound wide receiver. You don't see too many of those at the Army to practice against. Scout team doesn't have anybody 6'5", 205 running down the field for them. No, the, the guy might have to be uh, Army's punter, who's a big dude at six five two twenty five, going doing a little scout team work this week. Bill, yeah. you know, as you mentioned, number sixteen, Wake Forest, six and zero. Oh. You know, people, you know, around the country, they look at Wake Forest and are you know are going to say, well, that's an afterthought. It's kind of like Duke if they get out to a, a good start. And you know, Dave Clawson is one of the most underrated coaches in college football, in my opinion. I mean, he continues to do more with less and he's done it wherever he's been but you know even around the ACC I don't think Wake Forest gets the kind of respect that they deserved I mean Clemson uh, you know is somewhat still in it um, in the in the Atlantic Division, but but Wake Forest right now in the driver's seat, six and zero, ranked sixteenth in the country. You know, defense is their calling card. Defense and special teams. Now they've got some balance on offense. You know, they had a thrilling win up at Syracuse earlier this year, which one? I mean, a highlight galore in that game. But now six and zero, and they're going to go to Army. It's, it's a sellout. Army's announced it's a sellout on Saturday um, on CBS Sports Network. First time a ranked opponent has come in there to Mikey since 2013. That 13-game home win streak is on the line for the Black Knights. Boy, they're going to be tested as much, maybe even more than they were last week going to Camp Randall at Wisconsin, Bill. Uh, this game is at home, but this Wake Forest team is, a, I think, a different animal than even Wisconsin was last week. Yeah, they're they're much more balanced than Wisconsin uh, is. And, and the interesting thing, though, Army going to Wisconsin, a team not ranked, in the top 25, they were 14-point underdogs. If you don't think they got a lot of respect, especially from the the Sharks out in Vegas, this is only a three-point line. 
Army's only a three-point underdog at home to a, a team ranked in the top 20, which I was stunned. I thought it would be at least a touchdown type thing. So that just shows you the kind of respect that Army has gained. And maybe, as you mentioned, a little disrespect as far as uh, Wake Forest goes. But, uh, again, I mentioned A.T. Perry. They can throw the ball all over the place. They're, they're going to go for – they're averaging 170 yards on the ground. Their main guy there, Christian Beal-Smith, averaging just over four and a half yards a carry, has five touchdowns on the year as well. So they can do it through the air. They can do it on the ground. And that type of, of balance, that type of mix, sometimes gives Army in, in the service academy, you know, a team's trouble. You knew going to Wisconsin – that they wanted to run. They didn't want anything to do with throwing the ball. Wake Forest will do both. They'd rather run, but they will put it up. And uh, Sam Hartman, the quarterback, 14 touchdowns, only three picks. So yeah. he's not giving away a lot. Averaging, I think, completion percentage right about 65%. So, yeah, they got balance. And, you know, they're going to have to do it. Uh, you know, they're going to have to be balanced because Army likes to attack on defense, and they're going to do that again on Saturday and try and disrupt things. But this is a well-coached Wake Forest football team, Bill. Uh, I can't wait to see this one. I think this will be – Probably, but maybe between these three games, this might be the game of the week. As you mentioned, Wake giving up a three points, you know, going on the road there to Mikey. I can't wait. Um, our next game, what, number two, Cincinnati at Navy. Another undefeated team, 6-0, and 2-0 um, and in the American Athletic. Right now, Cincinnati, the top dog in the group of five, ranked number two. And look at, depending on the polls you look at, but looking at the ones I look at, and I know you do too, I mean, number two in the the country. Yep. Um, I don't think there's anything that's stopping Cincinnati right now. I mean, they got that signature win against Notre Dame on the road. There's no stopping this Cincinnati team. 12 o'clock kickoff on ESPN2 as they're giving up a whopping 27 and a half, 28 points, depending on where you look. Uh, Navy's going to need to call out the uh, the entire brigade maybe to stop this Cincinnati offense if they want to have a shot. Yeah, this is, this is a real problem for Navy. And I know they've had the extra couple of days because they played Thursday night, but... You know, just like we talked about with them playing Memphis, a team that can just score, 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 and you got to try to keep up with them. Well, Cincinnati's the number six scoring offense in the nation. I don't know how Navy keeps up with them. They're going to need three or four uh, 11-minute drives and maybe only give Cincinnati the ball once a quarter. And maybe, maybe you have a shot to keep it close. But, I mean, look, it starts with Jerome Ford. You go to Desmond Ritter. They've got offense, 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 all these guys. Ford's averaging nearly 120 yards a game on the ground. Uh, Ritter's got 13 touchdowns already, only two interceptions, 240 yards a game through the air. This is going to be a very long day for Coach Ken and the boys up there at Navy in Annapolis because I just don't think that they have any hope of slowing Cincinnati down. And and I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not a gambler, but I would be real hard-pressed not to lay that 27-and-a-half just because <laughs> I'm serious. I think Cincinnati is going to score yeah. at least 40 to, to, to 47 points is – is Navy going to score more than 14 in this game, 21? I don't know that they can. Yeah, I, I don't know. And you know that Cincinnati, whenever they get the ball, I mean, they're kind of in this point now where you're not looking ahead, but you're looking, look, we need to be impressive every week, yeah. you know, because when you're a group of five team and you're trying to angle for, you know, a college football playoff spot, I mean, clearly uh, you have to be undefeated if you're a group of five team, which obviously Cincinnati is at 6-0. and 
But the style points, certainly, let's face it, uh, if we're being honest here, you got to have some of those, too. And they've had those along the way. I mean, Luke Fickle's team, they play great defense. Offensively, they're as good as you know most any team in the country with weapons all over. Um, and they took Georgia, I mean, last year. I know last year was last year, but, you know, in a New Year's Day and uh, New Year's Six Bowl, um, I mean, they took Georgia down to the wire. Um, you know, again, 12 o'clock kickoff, ESPN2. I'm just glad that I'm not paid to have to make the decisions to come with a game plan because if you're Navy, I don't know what you do in this game. The only thing is just you might have to go for it on fourth down every time to try and play keep away. The only way I think Cincinnati doesn't score like 40-something points you talked about is if they only have the ball four or five times in the game. I think that's the only way. Um, I'm just glad I don't have to make these uh, game plans, Bill, because I just don't know what Navy does. I don't see how this thing is within you know, the 27 and a half, 28 points that the line is right now. Yeah, and, and it's... It, Again, it sounds like we're we're crushing Navy on this, but this is you're playing the number two team in the country, so I mean there's there's no shame in in getting beat in this game. It's just a matter of do you try to to go all out, force them into the mistakes, and end up giving up big plays, or do you try to stay back, keep everything underneath so they don't hit 65, 70 yard passes? Well, if you start doing that, then Ford I think is going to run free and get into the second level, and he may have the day where he's going for you know a buck sixty and three touchdowns it's kind of pick your poison on this one I think I'd rather get beat on the ground than through the air because it might be a slower death but at least it's not at least it's not just going to be so dynamic that you that you're in awe the entire time because they're taking you know again three plays in a minute five to go 70 yards for a touchdown and the scary thing is after giving up all those big plays last week in Memphis right Boy, Memphis and Cincinnati, two different animals. So um, maybe they're going to have to bring it uh, in period and then some. Uh, 12 o'clock kickoff again, ESPN2 um, on Saturday. All right, number 22, San Diego State, 6-0, and 2-0 in the Mountain West. They're coming to Air Force and Falcon Stadium, 6-1 and for the Falcons, 3-1 and in the Mountain West, 7 o'clock kickoff on CBS Sports Network. Air Force right now, I've seen three and a half points bill yeah. i don't know what you've seen um stop me if you heard this before i mentioned it in the wake forest army preview dave clausen one of the more underrated coaches in the country that's to me that's rocky long the exact same thing i think he's one of the most underrated in the country he's just been doing it longer uh, than dave clausen because it feels like he's been at sdsu for an eternity he's got another aztec team rolling this year this very well could be for um you know the mountain west division championship if air force is going to win it and find their way into that conference championship game this might be the game that they have to do it in yeah it's amazing that they are taking on the number 22 ranked team in the country and they're favored which gives you an idea of what people think about as far as air force and their defense that you know usually you get the field goal if you're at home that's kind of the standard three points a home team you get three points credit well that means this is a pick em game on a neutral site so that tells me right there that Air Force has done enough and convinced enough people that they are a good team, and they are sitting. They've gotten votes for the top 25. They're sitting just outside the top 25 in this one. It's going to be, again, a stylistic game. 
Air Force is number nine in the country in rush defense. On the other side, San Diego State is number 20 in rush offense. Now, if you're an Air Force fan, that doesn't impress you because you're number one in rushing offense. But it just shows you that they have the ability in San Diego State to really control the game the same way you want to because they can run the football. They can hold on to the football. They don't turn it over a lot. They do a good job. And on the other side, defensively, one of the best teams in the country as far as not giving up third down conversions. They're only giving up 26% on third down. That's going to be a challenge for Air Force coming up in this game. And I stand corrected. I said Rocky Long. I've, I meant Brady Hoke. <laughs> it feels like he had been there forever. Brady Hoke, the, the head coach uh, of the Aztecs. I break, complete brain fart on my point, on my part right there. Um, but, you know, Brady Hoke's team, they've struggled to throw the football this year. They've, you know, largely relied on the ground game. They're going to mix up quarterbacks again and go with graduate senior Lucas Johnson uh, on Saturday with the freshman Will Haskell as his backup. Uh, trying to find some semblance of a passing game. Um, you know, largely, you know, haven't played very tough competition. They're one of 11 unbeaten teams in, in the country. Uh, but San Diego State will tell you, no question about it, this is going to be their biggest challenge of the season as well. Uh, probably the same goes for Air Force, too. I know going to, to Boise State, you know, is always that proverbial big game. But Boise State just is not what they have been, Bill. You know, with the coaching change and, you know, they, they've had a up and down season. This is the this is the game. Um, San Diego State leads their side of the Mountain West Conference, while Air Force does the same. I mean, this is this might be the game of the year in the league. I mean, there's more to go. Uh, we haven't even got to November yet, but this is the one that could really tell us a lot. And like you said, I think this is one that a lot of people think shows how highly they think of Air Force when they make them a, a three and a half point favorite at home in San Diego State. That underdog going on the road. Yeah, and, and it is interesting though because. This- This could end up being a rock fight because you look, again, we talked about Air Force number nine in the country in run defense. San Diego State is no slouch either. They only give up 61 yards a game on the ground so far this season. So it's not like teams are running all over them. Air Force is going to have their work cut out for them. Again, San Diego State does a good job. They stop the run. They stop teams on third down. The only thing that I question about them is they're coming off a a win uh, last uh, Friday night against uh, San Jose State. It took them double overtime to beat San Jose (laughs) State. And I don't think San Jose State is that good of a football team. Maybe it was a little bit of a letdown. Maybe they were looking ahead to Air Force. I guess that's possible. Um, But I, I don't. I just don't know if if this is going to be one of those games that gets up into the, you know, 27, 30 point range. This this smells like a 24-21 whoever is able to get a field goal late in the fourth quarter wins this one because Air Force's defense has been so good this year, mm-hmm. especially making adjustments for the second half. I just don't know um I just don't know how San Diego State's going to move the ball a ton against Air Force. Again, it's going to come down to me, a special teams play here or there, a bad fumble, bad pick, whatever it is. It's going to turn on that. Neither one of these teams is going to blow the other one out. A couple other notes on San Diego State, Bill. Um, you know, injury-wise, they're starting running back and starting left tackle. Starting running back Greg Bell and their left tackle Zach Thomas did not practice earlier this week. So that's something to keep an eye on um, coming into this football game on Saturday night. Also, their punter and place kicker, Matt Areza, he was a uh, named by the AP midseason All-American team by the Associated Press at punter, averaging 
almost 54 yards a kick. Um, had an 86-yard punt last Friday in the win over San Jose State, uh, the longest punt in the nation this season. Um, also, San Diego State Junior defensive end Cameron Thomas was a second-team midseason All-American by the Athletic. Uh, so they got some guys all around uh, on both sides of the football, special teams, uh, but as well as those injuries on the San Diego State offense. Something to keep an eye on, especially missing your starting running back when you are a ground-and-pound team plus your left tackle that could be big we just don't know a whole lot more at this point and hope to as we go into the game bill all right let's go ahead and take a break and get ready for our travis Mannion foundation honor roll segment honoring a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice again you can learn a lot more about the travis Mannion foundation at travismannion.org we will do that coming up and then bill and i will get out of here and wrap up this episode of yards and stripes when we come back Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment where we honor a member, a service member who has given the, their life the ultimate sacrifice for our country and for our freedoms. But a special one here this week is we remember Captain Michael Quinn, the United States Marine Corps, who is a native of Percival, Virginia, and was 28 years old when he lost his life on February the 22nd, 2012, as he was one of seven Marines killed in a helicopter crash. And as I mentioned, two, one of seven Marines, uh, two helicopters collided in the Yuma Training Range Complex along the California-Arizona border. And uh, Michael, who was a 19 or excuse me, a 2006 graduate of the United States Naval Academy, uh, grew up there uh, in the Lehigh Valley before his family moved to Virginia, graduated from Loudoun uh, Valley High School, captain of his high school soccer team, was a Cub Scout, was an Eagle Scout, member of the Honor Society, ran track and field. Um, so many of his friends that he grew up, they, they talked after his death uh, about you know, recalling the model planes and helicopters uh, that he had in his room when he was younger. And Michael himself, he mailed his application, according to his dad, to the Naval Academy uh, on September the 11th on 2000, in 2001. And, you know, as his dad said, quote, he was a person who led quietly by example. He wanted the Marine Corps because of its tradition of its officer cadre having the highest regard and obligation to care for its enlisted men. That's his father, Bradley Quinn, talking about his son. Michael graduated the Naval Academy, went on to flight school in Pensacola, Florida, and got his wings in 2008. He was assigned to the, Mar the Marine Light Attack Helicopter Squadron based out of Camp Pendleton, California. And he was preparing to deploy for Afghanistan uh, when that unfortunate helicopter crash occurred there on the California-Arizona border. The Travis Manion Foundation works with the families of, of those loved ones and friends who have lost somebody who's given the ultimate sacrifice. The Travis Manion Foundation honored um, Captain Michael Quinn uh, in a program presented uh, to at U.S. at the Naval Academy Summer Seminar Series and their summer STEM program camp for rising 11th graders where Michael's story uh, was shared with all of them. Michael survived by his mother Betsy, his father Bradley, two younger sisters, Phoebe and Sarah, as well as a fiance, Kate Richardson. And it's 
the folks like Michael and so many that we've talked about, again, on this edition of the Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment, we say thank you to the family of Captain Michael Quinn, who gave his life on February the 22nd, 2012. All right, welcome back in. We're going to wrap up this episode of Yards in Stripes as we get ready for a massive weekend of football, Bill. Uh, before we close up, just uh, what do you think? What are you excited for this weekend? Uh, honestly, the Air Force-San Diego State game might be the best game of the week, to be honest with you. I know Army and Wake Forest will be a tight one as well, but I think that that Air Force game, again, if the Falcons get that victory, they're going to be ranked in the top 25 um, which will be a, a nice reward for them. So I, I think that one is, is the one that I'm looking forward to watching. Again, 7 o'clock Eastern time, the kickoff. Great opportunity to Air Force to really take control of their division in the Mountain West and a great opportunity for them to break into the top 25 and continue what we said this year, that they, they've got a chance to go 10-2, 11-1 in the regular season. They, they've got a, a chance to, to get a pretty decent bowl game when this is all said and done. Yeah, one hundred percent. Obviously, they you know booked their spot in a bowl game. Um, you know, it's six and one, but uh, they're looking for more. You know, Troy Calhoun's team is looking now, being able to you know have somewhat those sights now really zeroed in on a conference championship in their first spot in the Mountain West. Bill, uh, it's there. They're close. You know, you got more football to play, but this is going to be Air Force's last game before the off weekend um, as they get ready to go to Arlington, Texas, to face Army in the first leg of the commander-in-chief trophy on saturday november the 6th uh, in the commander's classic and then you will have one more home game to end the year against unlv um so one that you got a chance to make a statement in i don't think they're looking ahead by any means uh to army which again they'll have that that bye week um but should be a, a, a just a fantastic football game uh jim arthur will be on the call there in w or on KVOR, one of the outstanding voices in college football and the voice of the Falcons. In the other one, Bill, you mentioned, um, you know, no doubt about Army and Wake Forest going to do battle first time. You know, a ranked team has come there to Mikey since 2013. You know, the core is going to be fired up. It's sold out. That should be an, a fantastic backdrop as fall. You're probably going to be in the mid-50s, upper 50s there. You know, clear, sunny day right there on the Hudson, one of the best places to watch a game in college football. It's going to be a magical afternoon up at Mikey. Can they pull this one off? I got a hunch. I've had hunches before, and they're not always right, Bill. I got a hunch. Yeah, no, I think I think they can, they're going to stay in it. Um, by no means am, am I as uh, pessimistic as I was last week against Wisconsin for them. But I do worry that Wake Forest is a little bit more balanced than, than a Wisconsin team that they that they saw. And you have to worry. I mean, they lose this. That's going to be three straight losses for Army. They're, they're reeling a little bit right now. Again, that Ball State loss, excuse me, uh, yeah, Ball State loss is yeah. one that I just shake my head at, and I still can't figure out how it happened. No shame in losing to Wisconsin, but they kind of need this win to, to right the ship. The schedule the rest of the way, not that difficult. I think Bucknell is on there. UMass is on there. Obviously, Air Force uh, it will be the next big game. So they kind of need this win to get themselves. They're going to be in a bowl game because they're going to beat Bucknell. They're going to beat UMass. They're, they're probably going to beat you know Navy when it comes right down to it. But you want to be in a better bowl game. And you get a top 25 win, it's going to put <clears> you in, in, in line for a better bowl game than what you may necessarily get. 
100%. All right, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Make sure to like us on Facebook, at Yards and Stripes. And certainly download, listen, subscribe, Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, a myriad of ways to listen to Yards and Stripes. My man Bill Rowland keeps us rolling every single week. Couldn't do it without him. So you're the man, Bill. Can't wait for the games this weekend. But thank you, as always for doing what you do, for joining me here this week and bringing Service Academy football to our listeners, my man. We will do it again next weekend. Enjoy the games, everybody. We'll see you then. Thanks for being with us for this edition of Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. A reminder to find us on social media through Yards and Stripes and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And we will catch you next time on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football.